I'm so excited to be nominated. It's just an honor to be nominated. Honor to be nominated. Hi, I'm Claudia. I'm Ezra. And I'm Chandler, and you're listening to Honor to be Nominated, a podcast covering every movie and any movie that's ever been nominated for an Oscar. And this week, we are doing the uh, comedy My Cousin Vinny from 1992. Starring Joe Pesci and Mar- Marissa Tomei, who this movie only got one nomination, one win for Marissa Tomei as Best Achieve. Supporting Actress. We'll get into we'll it. We'll get into it. <laughs> We'll get into it. Ezra, what's it all about? I mean, what's it all about? Yeah, so uh, My Cousin Vinny um, is about uh, these two sort of New York boys played, uh, one of them is played by Karate Kids, Ralph Macchio, who uh, go on this road trip and through sort of serious misunderstandings end up getting charged with murder in a uh, small southern town. And so they call in uh, one of their cousins, My Cousin Vinny, who is a... uh, licensed but inexperienced lawyer from new york who's very like new york <laughs> wise guy you know who comes down to this very small conservative southern town and has to clear them of murder uh mercer Tame plays his long-suffering girlfriend <laughs> fiance, fiance excuse, me, excuse you biological clock is ticking <laughs> that trope uh and then yeah and then it's just sort of like a courtroom comedy and they end up getting cleared because of testimony from marissa tomei about yeah. cars. About cars. About cars. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love this movie. Uh, this is one of my mom's favorite movies. She loves this movie. I think this might be one of her favorite comedies. Um, I think this movie is so fun. It's, Interesting. It's. I love this movie. It's so fun. It's goofy. It's it's pretty well-structured comedy. It makes you feel good. Uh, you know? There are certainly notes. Is it a fucking yeah. great film? No. But uh, it's fun. You know? I... I Really, really fun. It's definitely fun. It's it's definitely fun. I think I expected a little bit more like mayhem. I think I expected it to be a little bit more chaotic. But the chaos was like controlled enough where it was like, "Uh yeah. I expect it to just be like rolling on the floor, like hysterically laughing, and I wasn't. But maybe that's just like this is just not my style of comedy. I don't particularly care for like the legal jargon bullshit but that's just me like i can recognize that like this is a fun comedy fun movie i give it like a solid c plus but that's just me Hmm. ezra so i i do think this is a great film um i'd never seen it um until uh, right at the beginning of quarantine when i was in the midst of as i think many of us were our quarantine depression (laughs) i threw it on to find some sort of meaning in life it was exactly what I was looking for. I thought it was delightful. Um, I loved it. Um, I rewatch scenes from it about mm. once a week. Ah. Um, I just, I think it's like, I talk a lot about, and I don't, I'm, I'm sure I've done it on this podcast, but I don't recall. Um, but I talk a lot about the movie Scream, which I think yeah. is perfect because it functions, it works both as a comedy and as a horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I feel the same way about this, where it, it works equally well as a courtroom drama, where mm. I find it like legitimately, and I do yeah. like that legal jargon bullshit. Um, and I think that it wor- both works as like a really um, interesting and sort of edge of your seat legal thriller while also mm. being really funny. And I think it's able to do both equally well. 
And like I was rewatching uh, yesterday the um, Magic Grits questioning, which so is just good. like incredible. It's yeah. both really funny and also just like a real. You're like, oh shit, yeah. this guy's actually a good lawyer. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I think I think I, th- that's that's what I think is great about this movie is it is like one. Of, I think maybe one of my favorite like courtroom drama movies. Um, because it's a really funny comedy. It's um just like honestly some of Joe Pesci and uh, Marissa Tomei's best work. I think. But uh, it's also just a really, really good uh, courtroom drama because you you have this lawyer that you don't expect to be a good lawyer, and he comes out and kills it. Um, it's just it's just it's just really really fun. Also, it makes it reminds me of my mom because my mom loves this film. So. Well, and yeah. building off of that, I think that's the genius of this film. I think I think there are two points of this film that are genius. One is Marissa Tomei, yeah. which we'll get into, and I think the other is. In any other version of this film, especially another version of this film from 1992, what this film would, would be is Joe Pesci's a terrible lawyer who, through the course of this trial, yeah. learns how to be a good lawyer. And it would have been like, oh, versus he's kind of a good lawyer from the jump. And that's really what's like compelling about it is that you're rooting for him, not just because he's like the protagonist of the film, but because he's like a legitimately good lawyer. Yeah. And so then it doesn't, like, it obviously all builds up to this very funny and dramatic 11 o'clock number of Marissa Tomei giving testimony. But even before that, you're like, this yeah. man's a damn good lawyer in a way that I, I was so excited the first time I watched it, like, oh, he's going to fuck up. And then finally in the end, he's going to find the one piece of evidence that solves the whole case. And it's not that he's just like, like they famously like watched this film in law school and you can see why. I think it's a really good depiction of what a defense yeah. attorney should do. Yeah. Cause it's yeah. not as though he, like he has all these gotcha moments, but they are, pretty structured in like reality like you know you can't make grits in less than 20 minutes right it takes us like he, he they sort of beautifully lays out these arguments and so the, the point that um ralph macchio makes um early in the film is that this the family what are they what are they the Vinny? what's his name what's his last name whatever the family name is are fantastic arguers they just know how to argue and they can argue a point to till the cows come home and they know exactly how to win an argument and you get to see that because immediately after he says that line they jump to an argument between um joe pesci and marissa tomei which is a sort of brilliant couple argument about like the the leaky faucet and how she didn't turn off all the turn up the water all the way off they go into this huge <laughs> argument about how uh you know this this leaky faucet but it's just brilliantly constructed argument um, and she goes into like the manual and everything. And so you get to see that taste of that. Maybe he doesn't know all the legal jargon and doesn't know all the courtroom etiquette, but he is really, really good at arguing. I also loved that scene between the two of them um, towards the, like right before the climax where she's like starting to yell at him about like, what am I wasting my time for? Like, I got a ticking clock, like blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, I got all this other bullshit I need. Can we not have this argument right now? And like, I feel like if this was more of a drama, that tension would have like carried over into a future scene or like that it wouldn't, but instead it just like ended. It was just like, yeah, yeah, you're right. It was just like, I should have brought it up or whatever she says. And I was just like, that was great. I love that. That was funny. That's a very, it's such a great representation of like, real relationships sometimes it's just like you bring up something and your partner is like i can't deal with this shit right now like i have all this other shit that we're piling on top like and you're, and you're like, just yeah, like, okay that's fair all right totally. my bad i think that's so good it's so pure 
Well, and that's like the magic trick of this movie is Marissa Tomei. Yeah. And it is like this movie's crazy because her character should not be in this film. I have no <laughs> idea how a studio wasn't like, why is there this woman in this film? Because she's just like there and then only as important at the end and any other character could have done that. And so, but it's just like, she's just such a like spark plug that every scene she's in becomes 200% better because she's in it. And like, yeah. I made this joke um, to my co-hosts off air because we do occasionally talk um, that uh, there's no movie that would not be improved by Kristen Stewart and Dan Levy as gay best friends a la Happiest Season. I think there's no movie that would not be improved by Marissa Tomei as yeah. this character, my cousin Vinny. Like, if it was an elf in Rivendell in Lord of the Rings, it's Fellowship's a better movie. You know what I mean? Lord <laughs> biological clock. Oh, your biological clock. Are you going to come back from the war? Your biological clock is ticking. Dead. If she's Hannibal Lecter, better movie. Better movie. No, no, not if she's Hannibal Lecter. If she's um, Clarice's, no, like, no. best friend. Like, tagging along. I mean, that is the best that film of be all amazing. time. Would be the best film of all time. <laughs> she's like, you gonna let you gonna let this this head FBI agent talk to you that that way? Uh uh-uh, uh, no girl. She can't talk to you that way. Who is out here solving this crime? Who out here knows the, the serial killer who's out here getting the evidence? I love her. She does kill it, but also it is bizarre that she won an Oscar for this role. Well, what I was learning was that apparently there's a conspiracy theory that they both so the uh, Jack Pelance, who's a very famous uh, actor who was very old at the time of these Oscars announced the category and a lot of people think that he read the wrong name Oh, and that, because nobody thought she was going to win and then, and then just everyone just kind of pretended that never happened oh a la 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 Land but with, with not the correction do you know who the conspiracy theorists think, think should have won? People think it should have been Judy Davis for Woody Allen's Husbands and Wives which uh, we'll get into it but that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> so, like that to me makes more sense as far as like, like yeah. the Academy's choice. Like, I think it. I think it's wild that the Academy like awarded this performance. I'm not saying it's not deserving because I think she does yeah. great work. It's just like so far out of left field. It's so not like your typical quote unquote like Oscar performance. It's just like this woman sort of playing a caricature a cartoon almost but like it's still at the same time like very yeah. grounded in truth because marissa tomei is just a fabulous actress and what is crazy going off that claudia is that it's is that if you like this movie enough to give marissa tomei an oscar nomination which why don't you give it a best best screenplay nomination like you know what i mean or joe like, even joe pesci or joe pesci right like or even like score, it's so it's really weird that the only nomination I got was Marissa Tomei, and then she wins for one of the least Academy Award esque performances to ever win an Oscar. I, I think it's incredible to be clear, but like a huge theme of this podcast is that the Academy is very sort of specific in what they like, and this is kind of one of the most out of left field acting winners, yeah. certainly in the last because because going off that yeah. point though, what you were saying about the conspiracy theory, the Academy loves Woody Allen esque films. They love films about white people upset about their relationships and having inappropriate relationships <laughs> with their students. Academy loves that kind of stuff. But yes, yeah, do. and this is such a just pure joyful comedy 
that does not feel very um, Academy at all. Like I would, I would nominate Joe Pesci because I think he does a fantastic performance in this, but he is not, this is not an Academy performance for him or Marissa Tomei. They are playing like caricatures of Brooklyn people and doing it very well and believable, but it is so, so out of left field. When did this movie come out? Like, was this like one of the, no, no, like, Sorry, I should have clarified. I meant like during the year of 1992. March. like So like during Oscar season. No, like this... no, no, no. No? Before Oscar, season. Oscar season is like October through January. Okay, so so it is one of those movies that's like after Oscar season. They're more like the fun ones. Like, So yeah, maybe they didn't even expect to get like any nominations. And then the Academy was just like, you know that Marissa Tomei, she did some great work in... My cousin Vinny. Let's toss her a nom, and while we're at it, let's toss her the win. Well, and I think, I mean, I'm going to make an argument that I think that she and both Joe Pesci deserve this Oscar, deserve an Oscar because specifically the end where he puts her on the stand and she like testifies about this whole car spiel is such a fun moment for the audience. Like, it, you just feel how fun it is because they're, because yeah. you know, it's fun because Joe Pesci kn- clearly knows the answer to this problem, right? He clearly knows and he's right. trying to lead her in a direction of like, hey, why are these tire marks could not be that car? So he clearly knows uh, what the issue is, but wanted to sort of bring her in and bring her into the excitement. It's kind of like that um, moment from like, who wants to be a millionaire where he calls his lifeline just to tell his lifeline that he's about to win. It's like that moment. Um, and it's so fun. And so I think just that little bit of like, climactic buildup alone is is worth the oscar because they do such fun work in that one moment where they're just like know that they're going to win this case yeah i also thought the running bits of like the the nighttime terror things or the nighttime noises were fun i think they put it like this whoever the screenwriter was i i don't know off the top of my head um and even the director, I don't know, like, like we were saying, I just feel like this, this movie could have gotten a couple more like nominations. If you're going to like nominate for one thing, like, I don't know, toss yeah. it a couple more in my opinion. But like, even the, like when they were at the diner and they opened up the menu and they look at it for like five minutes, it's like the breakfast, the breakfast. And then they look at, it's just breakfast, lunch, dinner. And, like yeah. those moments were fun. And like, <laughs> A, again like a different style of comedy than like what i expected from this movie mm-hmm. but it worked and it it it's yeah. very yeah, the moment where he goes to he stays in prison because he wants to get a good night's sleep and then and in prison it sounds just like new york so he yeah. has a like a perfect night's sleep is, is just so funny yeah it's just like it's so delightful. delightful like it's like one of those <laughs> movies, like and i think this is actually one of the good things about our December lineup is that every one of the films we're talking about are just like yeah. delights. Mm-hmm. Like they just put me and maybe, you know, so there are people who hate it's a wonderful life and we can get into it, but all four of these movies just put me in a good mood. Yeah. And like my cousin Vinny, anytime I watch even a three minute clip of it, I watch mm-hmm. six more three minute clips of it. And it's just really, it's really fun. And it's, you know, kind it's like a very disposable comedy in the way we kind of don't make anymore and it's just like fun movie stars doing their fun movie star yeah. thing with some good jokes yeah. you know what yeah. i mean the judge sucks i hate this judge judge the judge is the worst let's see well one of my notes says this is 
as if Better Call Saul and The Sopranos had a baby. And then not uh, very, very short or right underneath, it says, yep. fuck this judge. Yeah. And then I was like, is this movie just going to be about how, like, the justice system is just, like, fucked? Kind of. And, like, kind of. Kind of. Like, they wasted a lot of time and money on these two people that didn't do anything. And they could have been, you know, trying to catch the real murderers. But whatever. The director claims this is a a work of anti-death penalty activism. Really? This film. Yeah, I see that. I mean... It's not not that, I guess. Um, I could see that. I could see that. Who's the director? Is it anyone? Um, it's Jonathan Lynn. He, he's like a British comedy hmm. director. Okay. Um, did Clue very famously. Oh, oh okay. And then my beloved Yes Minister and okay. Yes Prime Minister. Um, also, I think, speaking of shout-outs, I, I, shout-out Ralph Macchio. I think he knows exactly what movie he is in. Because at the at the beginning, when he Correct. when he is on the phone, and he's like, oh, we got a, we got an attorney in the family. He's like, my cousin Vinny! He, he, the way that he delivers that line is just yeah. such my a perfect combination of what this movie is. I think he knows exactly what movie he is in. <laughs> my cousin Vinny! Yeah. It's so funny. Um, I think we we need to discuss the most important element of this movie, um, which is this is not the only time that Joe Pesci plays the titular My Cousin Vinny. Uh, Chandler, do you know the other time that uh, Joe Pesci played the titular Cousin Vinny? What? There's another My Cousin Vinny movie? No. Uh, from Wikipedia, Joe Pesci later reprised the Vincent LaGuardia Gambini character for his 1998 album, Vincent LaGuardia Gambini Sings Just For You, which is a full musical album I'm looking it up. that Joe Pesci recorded in character Wait. of My Cousin Vinny. What year did he do this? <laughs> 1998. So, 1998, so six years... There are four. 14 14, songs. So six years after this movie, he's like, oh, I'm going to reprise this role and, and record an album? Correct. It was in 1998, so it wasn't that it's long six later. Six years. But it's still... Still. Um, there are 14 songs. All of them are explicit. I mean... <laughs> and then there's, there's one song that must be the most popular called Yo Cousin Vinny. It's also performed in Italian and Spanish. Does he speak Italian and Spanish? I don't know. Maybe he uh, can we hear can we hear a little bit of Yo Cousin Vinny? Yeah, that's like it's fun. Every time I get the urge to visit my hometown I'm sure that all my cousins will try to track me down My heart says go, my head says no, it's best to stay away But if I appear, I'm sure to hear all those jerk-offs say Hey Cousin Vinny, your Cousin Vinny Is there anything that you could do for what? me? Why? Hey, Why? Okay, so Joe Pesci should be in federal prison 
Why? What the fuck was that? <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny. Joe Pesci has multiple albums on Spotify. Wait, I'm confused though, because Vinny in the movie is not a singer. He's there's no mention of him like talking about being a singer. Why? Why would he release an album just as this character? For money. I- uh, Frida was my cousin. Frida was my cousin. He couldn't make his bail. I was talking to his father. He said, "Let him rot in jail." But I pitied his poor mother. She said, "I was a prince. I paid his. Pay, I paid his bail. He's out of jail. I ain't seen the fuck since." I mean, okay. <laughs> There's a Christmas my, song on it. My cousin Rose got married. She said they'd all be there, and they would love to see me as if I fucking cared. They ate, they drank, they danced all night. My cousins had they fill, and when they when it was all over, you can guess who paid the bill. Savage. I don't understand. His his publicist must have been like, "You've created a character. Let's ride. Let's run with it. Let's get you some more money." Some more revenue streams of income. Let's let's write an album. Uh, Obviously, I mean, sure. I mean, where's Aragorn's album? Listen to it. He does sing in this coronation in the third movie, so there's something. Uh, the album also has the single "Wise Guy," a rap number that played on the gangster theme, re- referring to mafia gangsterism. Um. Okay. Sure. I. Yeah, because why not, you know? Uh, he records his album after he retires from acting. He retired from acting in 98? Uh, in 99. But then he did Irishman. Then he came back. Oh, I didn't realize he, like, that was, like, a comeback for him. I thought not he had really. been working this whole time. Oh. Well, the Irishman wasn't good I... enough for me to care, so... It was too long. This movie, I, was that it, was my first it note. Was not long enough. This, this, that was my first note. This movie was an hour and fifty nine minutes. Perfect, perfect. Less than under two hours. Some, some movies need to be longer than two hours. Sometimes you have to tell a narrative that's longer than two hours. I don't, I don't have that kind of attention span. Anyway, what else? I'm now just baffled by Joe Pesci's film career, which is insane. Oh, yeah? What else has he done? So, 1976, The Death the Death Collector. Whatever. 1980, Raging Bull. Some other things. The next important one, uh, 1984, Once Upon a Time in America. Uh, 1989, Lethal Weapon 2. 1990, Goodfellas, Home Alone. 91, JFK. 92, Lethal Weapon 3, Home Alone 2, My Cousin Vinny. He's in my Home Alone? Yeah. Yeah, he's the villain. I've never seen Home Alone. I'm excited, oh, to, shit. I'm excited to watch it for the podcast. I've never seen it. I know, I know. Home Alone's amazing. Um, yeah, we're doing two Joe Pesci movies this this. Uh, oh, fun. Month. I didn't realize we should, that. We should throw in the Irishman. Let's not. Where? We'll do that, we'll do that for January 1st. Because it's a long movie, like a long year 2020 was. The Irishman's very good. But so then he does, so he does Home Alone 2, Lethal Weapon 3, My Cousin Vinny, The Public Eye, all in 92. 93, Bronx Tale. 94, Jimmy Hollywood with Honors. 95, Casino. 97, Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag, Gone Fishing. 
98 Lethal Weapon 4 does not appear again until in a film until 2006. What film? Insane. Uh, he has a cameo in the Robert De Niro-directed Good Shepherd. No, oh, same. He then isn't in a, like, he doesn't have a role role until 2010 with the film Love Ranch, which stars uh, Helen Mirren and is about a brothel. <laughs> same. I mean, I guess he, like, like, how old is Joe Pesci now? He's 77. Yeah, so, like, you know, he did all of his work, like, when he was in his 20s, 30s, I think. 40. Yeah, math, math, 40s. And then, you know, he's chilling. He, he, he made that money, and he's, he's chilling. He, he made an album. Uh, can I read right you his discography? I would have done the same. His discography? Yeah, I, I just looked at it on Spotify. It's insane. So his discography, 1968, Little Joe, Little Joe Sure Can Sing. That's his album as a child. Same. 1998, of course, everyone's favorite Vincent LaGuardia again, BB sings Just For You. Just For You. 2019, Pesci, dot, 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 still singing. Pet no one asked, singing. but it's all right. So he did what? An album in 68, an album in 98, an album in 2019. So every 30 years, he's like, the people want an album. <laughs> the people want an album. <laughs> That's insane. What am I going to do? Tell them no? I mean, That's you so can't funny. deny the people what they want. <laughs> the people demanded a Joe Pesci album, and he gave it to them. He's an American hero. It is so crazy that after not releasing a film for 30 years, he's like, I want to I get back in the music game. Oh my god, Joe, you're going to like, you know, write some singles? you got to sing some standards? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> It's going to be an album where I'm going to play my most famous character. Oh my god, you're going to be the guy from Goodfellas who won you the Oscar? No, 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 no. 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 You're going to be the villain from the beloved children's film Home Alone? No, I'm going to be my cousin Vinny. <laughs> I'm, going to get I'm just going to sing songs about how my family's a piece of shit. Anyway, I'm Joe Pesci and nothing fucking means anything. I'm Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci is a walking meme. It's so funny. Do you know what musical he appears in? No. No. I don't. A musical? Joe Pesci is Joe Pesci is a character in a Tony Award winning musical. Who? Okay, wait, wait. Don't tell me. Let's Chicago. guess. Uh um give me like a give me like a an era or like give me a hint. Um it was still running in New York before everything shut down. It was still running. And he was he was currently in it? He was a Joe Pesci has never been in it. There is a character in it who is Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci is a character in the play. And it's a musical. A Tony Award winning yes. musical that was on Broadway before the shutdown. It was not on Broadway. It was in New York. It was in New York. Okay, so off Broadway. Off, off, off oh, Broadway. Um, um, I have no idea. Award. Famously not a musical. Famously not running when everything closed down. I don't know. Down. I just took a guess. Uh, um... Nothing's coming to mind. Um, it's a jukebox musical. Moulin Rouge. They said it wasn't on Broadway. So, uh, it was like a- Joe Pesci's not in Moulin Rouge, but can you imagine? That would be if amazing. We're eighteenth century friends. Here's Joe Pesci. <laughs> Honestly, that would be insane. Throw in Marissa Tomei, better musical. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. 
<laughs> and at the very end, at the very end, Kristen Stewart and Dan Levy walk on. Yeah, for the bows. It's <laughs> for bows. If 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 Vinny and Mona Lisa Vito is in Moulin Rouge, uh, I'm watching it. Ten- okay, what Ten- musical though, Ezra? Jersey Boy. Jersey Boy. Oh, duh, duh, duh. I didn't realize I was still running. He's in Jersey Boy? That's still running? He managed the four, I thought he it, managed the four season. I thought it closed. Uh, so it closed on Broadway, but then it transferred off Broadway. Oh, I must have missed that. And the Oscar goes to... Well, should we get into, should it have one? Uh, yeah, 30 minutes in. Well, because Ezra um, and Chandler are going to be able to talk about the other movies that I asked us all to watch that, of course, I didn't watch. But, you know, life happens, shit happens. We move on. Ezra? Uh, this was only nominated for Best Supporting Actress, which, of course, it, it won. Uh, the other nominees were Miranda Richardson for Damage, Vanessa Redgrave for Howard's End, Joan Plowright for Enchanted April and Judy Davis for Husbands and Wives. I have seen My Cousin Vinny, Husbands and Wives, Howard's Ends, and Damage. Chandler has seen Enchanted uh, April. Enchanted April. Claudia, just My Cousin Vinny. <laughs> so let's just, since it's been a short, sort of short, sort of short podcast, let's just run through the other nominees and give a brief sort of like update since we had to watch all these crazy fucking movies. Uh, so Damage with Miranda Richardson would be my second place after Marissa Tomei. Yeah. So wait, um, just very quickly, Ezra, you would give, you would keep this with Marissa Tomei? 100%. Okay, I'm just asking. 1,000%. Okay, great. I'm just asking. <laughs> great, great, great. Like, um, but so Damage, uh, Chandler, have you seen the film Damage? I have not seen the film Damage. So the film Damage <laughs> is a British erotic thriller. Title of Ezra's sex tape. Jesus. <laughs> that is about the guy who plays Scar in The Lion King. Uh, okay. He's a successful British politician who could be prime minister someday. His son, played by the detective from the TV show Sherlock, is a journalist. He start he starts dating Julia Binoche. Oh. Now, Jeremy Irons... No. Oh. Jeremy Irons does what any loving father would do. He, of course, starts fucking his son's girlfriend. Uh, they fuck not just uh, in beds, but they fuck in public. They fuck on an alleyway in Paris. There's just a lot of it with the most insane sexual positions I've ever seen in a film. Where things that are, like, not biologically possible. <laughs> You're like, I don't... How are you doing Should've this? Should damage. Um... <laughs> But then, and Miranda Richardson, who was nominated, plays his long-suffering wife. Then the climax of the film, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen Damage, is Rupert Graves, the son, finds out that his fiance Julia Binoche, has a secret apartment. He goes to her secret apartment, and what does he find? He finds his dad balls deep in his fiance. Balls deep. What, a, what an image. Oh, God. And Rupert Graves is so shocked he stumbles backwards, falls over the railing, falls six stories, and dies upon impact. Jeremy Irons then pulls out of Julia Binoche, runs fully naked down the stairs, holds his son's dead body, is questioned by the police, and goes home to Miranda Richardson, who says to him, 
he walks in and she's like covered in blood. He goes, what happened? She goes, I beat myself up. It hurt too much. And he's like, listen, I'm sorry. She goes, why didn't you kill yourself? When you started to realize you wanted to fuck our son's girlfriend, why didn't you just kill yourself? Because at least then I could mourn you. Why didn't you kill yourself? Oh. And then he's like, I'm sorry. And then it, we just, and then he resigns from, from parliament and just, we watch him staring out the window alone. End of film. Okay. Uh, it's nuts. <laughs> it sounds crazy. So that's damage. Mariah Richardson is very good. Now. Great. And she's like the mom um, character. Who was like, oh, I'm just like a nice, I'm like, she thinks she's in like a comic. She thinks she's like in a happy family drama about like, man, kids grow up sometimes. <laughs> and then her husband forces her into this erotic thriller. And then she's like, why didn't you fucking kill yourself? Which is nuts. Also, I forgot to mention Julia, Julia Pinoch's tragic backstory is that her uh, older brother was in love with her and killed himself because he couldn't sleep with her. Crazy. So there is potentially too much going too on much. in this film. I'll say that. Chandler, why don't you do um, Enchanted April since so it's like a back and forth situation? Yeah. Uh, okay. Enchanted April is about some rich white women that want to go on vacation in Italy. End of end of plot. <laughs> I mean, really, like these two women, they're kind of bored with their husbands, and they're like, "Let's go on vacation to Italy together." Uh, Miranda Richardson clearly is a lesbian no. and wants to sleep with this other woman. Um, it's is not Miranda sexual. Richardson in both? What? Yes. Oh, wow. Cool. Yes, Miranda well, I didn't realize Miranda Richardson was in both. She's really good in this film. Uh, the, the movie is boring. Um, she, it is not textual. In any way, shape, or form, there was nothing to suggest this, but clearly Miranda Richardson is playing this like she wants to, to be, have a lesbian relationship with the other woman in the movie. Um, and the other woman in the movie uh, calls her husband to come vacation with them in Italy after being like, oh, I kind of miss my husband. Even though, and then Ryan Richardson is like, but we literally took this vacation so we could not be around her husbands. And she's like, eh, he's coming anyway. Uh, so she's upset about that. And then her husband comes, uh, who is played by Doc Ock. What's his name? Alfred Alfred um, and yeah. And then she, Miranda Richardson is sad that he's there. And uh, yeah, it's the entire plot. Um, the one Joan- who nominated... The woman, yeah, who's Joan Plowright. Plowright. She plays a grumpy old woman, like old sort of like old school, like grumpy heiress kind of woman. Um, she's fine. She plays an old grumpy woman. It's not hard. I, I, the movie is so ungodly boring. I really like that's that's, that's so the entire funny. plot. That's that literally it. That you'll never get those two hours Italy. back. Like, oh wow. Italy looks pretty. I would like to vacation in Italy. That's it. That's the whole plot. I I would love to go on a long spiel like Ezra's. That's it. The movie's horrible. Um, now, about Howard's End, which I only watched the first 45 minutes of because uh, Vanessa Redgrave's character is only in the first 45 minutes. This is potentially the weirdest nomination I've ever seen in the Oscars. Um... Uh, Howard's End is a Merchant Ivory sort of costume drama where uh, Emma Thompson and Helena Bonham Carter uh, play sisters um, who get involved with this richer family and 
chaos ensues. <laughs> uh, Vanessa Redgrave is in maybe three scenes. Oh. She plays the wife of uh, Anthony Hopkins, who is dying and has three very sort of run-of-the-mill conversations with Emma Thompson, and then dies. It is one of the least memorable performances. Like, she's not bad at it. She's just not... And it's like, listen, you can make a really... Like, Viola Davis was nominated for one scene in doubt and deserved it. But, like, she's not in the movie. Like, she doesn't do anything. Like, she comes in, she's like, I'm gonna die soon. I really like my house. And Emma Thompson's like, cool. And then Vanessa Wright and there's two hours left of the movie and like her death doesn't like aid the plot or anything she just is dead but like to when a full Helena Bonham Carter is just there and we nominate we don't nominate her but we nominate Vanessa Richard uh, Vanessa Redgrave rather that's crazy Helena Bonham Carter kills it she has this line that made me laugh out loud alone in my apartment (laughs) Where this guy rings the doorbell and he goes, oh, I'm so sorry, at the lecture you stole my umbrella. She goes, that's all I do is steal umbrellas. Come in, which one do you want? And I was like, hell about him, Carter? What is this movie about? But I want, I want more of you. She's amazing. It's very fun. She plays like a flippity gibbet. Um, so yeah, it's a movie that I intend to finish at some point because similar to the hit Broadway play, The Inheritance, which is based on Howard's End. I've only seen half of it. Um, but yeah, this nomination's real weird. Okay. And All right. Uh, and then last... Is the Woody Allen film about couples that go through the divorce and then don't go through the divorce and then get back together and then don't get back together. <laughs> and then Woody Allen has sex with a student. He never has sex with her. He just makes out with her. It's still inappropriate. It's... Okay. It's not a terrible film. I wouldn't describe it as good, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's not like Woody Allen. Woody Allen. All, all problems aside, can write a screenplay. Like just listening to people say Woody Allen dialogue is kind of entertaining. Sure. That being said, this it's just wild. Mia Farrow deserved yeah. better. Because we, Who, by the way, this is 1992. We knew at this point Woody Allen was a monster, right? We did not no. know yet. No, because Mia Farrow is the one who he marries her daughter. Yeah. He hadn't done that yet? No. No, because he was still married to her. Okay. Wild. This movie's apparently about their failing marriage. Wild. And who was nominated? Um, um, Judy Davis, who plays they. So there's uh, Woody Allen and Mia Farrow, who are one couple, and there's the other couple that split up at the beginning of the film. And Judy Davis is the woman in that. She's good. I don't know if she's necessarily Oscar worthy, but she's good in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I would have. I would actually give a shout out to Juliette Lewis, who was 18 years old when she played Woody Allen's uh, love interest. Yeah. Um, but who Hate plays that. his? Yikes. Yeah, it's no good. Uh, who plays his student? Who I think is doing was given the most Woody Allen women only exist to serve my own character development role and somehow makes it a character. Okay. Um, so I would shout her out, but I think kind of across the board, this is a pretty weak fucking category. Yeah. Hmm. And it's crazy. This is the same year as Malcolm X. It's crazy it's that... X, um, yeah. Uh, what's her name? Angela Bassett? Angela, Angela Bassett. Bassett. Angela Bassett. 
absolutely should have been nominated. Probably should have won. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, Marissa Tomei is by far the correct choice, I think, in this category. This category, at least for Enchanted April, sucks. This category is not good. <laughs> Enchanted April is one of the most boring films I've ever seen in my life. This is at some point we should just do like Unforgiven or something because this whole year kind of top to bottom is wild. Yeah. Wild. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. So we're gonna get into what we've been watching the the past week or so. Um, we were actually all just together for the Thanksgiving holiday safely, of course. We all got tested. We were all negative. All the good things. We wore masks. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Don't come for us on the internet, please. Um, but yes, we were all together. We had every intention to record our podcast episode live, but as we've been saying, we shit not. happens, life happens, it didn't happen, here we are. But we did watch a fun holiday movie together as a group on our first night together called Happiest Season, starring Kristen Stewart, Dan Levy, and other people that don't but matter. Those are the, only two, the only two that actually matter from that movie. What are our th- and Aubrey Plaza? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, I'll put respect on Aubrey Plaza's name. Yes, she was incredible. That movie was disappointing. I'll say it. I'll say it for the group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Although I will say, Kristen Stewart, as per usual, kills it. She's the kills it. She is the lead of the film and is rightfully so the best part of that film. Yeah, I think... I mean, it's not a very good film. I, th- I think there are a lot of things that are good about it. I think Kristen Stewart really is proving all the people who don't like her yes. wrong um, across the board. And I think it's really... Because I've been a huge fan of hers for years... Uh, I really like the sort of weird European independent film she's been doing. And it's interesting is that with this and Charlie's Angels, she's coming back and kind of reestablishing herself as a movie mm-hmm. star. And I think it's interesting. She is really good in these films. I don't think either Charlie's Angels from last year or Happy Season is a very good film, but she's able to show that she can carry a movie and lead a yes. movie. And she's doing it as sort of an un- unapologetically queer figure, which I yes. really like. Yeah. The problem with this film is Kristen Stewart should have ended up with Aubrey Plaza. 1,000%. Yes. I mean, the problem with this film is that it it feels as if they... Have never met a real queer person before. No, it's written by a lesbian. That's true. Written, directed by a lesbian. I guess the problem becomes is that it's like very clearly four straight people. (laughs) One. And two is that they make the... So the, the plot of this film, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's on Hulu, um, is Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis are in a relationship obviously two women um Mackenzie davis says hey do you want to come home for christmas since your family is dead <laughs> christmas year goes I, fucking hate, I hate christmas but i like you so I'll, I'll come home with you uh they're five minutes away from Mackenzie davis's parents house and Mackenzie davis stops the gun and goes hey just fyi my parents don't know i'm a lesbian so you have to pretend to be my straight roommate uh and christmas year like excuse me and then she's like yeah please i love uh, you i'll come out to them I love you. I'll come back to them at some point in the future. And she's like, okay. Uh, then what's revealed is that Mackenzie Davis's family sucks. sucks. Like, the bottom, like, the worst. And then it's like get out, but for like, like lesbian get out, yeah, yeah, very that. And then um, Aubrey Plaza comes in as Mackenzie Davis's ex girlfriend from high school, who she like 
was really shitty too. And then she and Kristen Stewart just become like besties. And you're like, oh, so this film is going to end with her leaving this toxic rich family and going and hanging out with this cool lesbian doctor. And then it doesn't. And it has this like real, listen, I didn't need this Christmas lesbian (laughs) rom-com to like do a deep Freudian analysis of all the reasons why families are fucked up. I didn't need this to be Anna Karenina. (laughs) What I, the issue then becomes is they set up that this family fucking sucks and spend an hour and a half showing us that this family sucks. And then the, literally there is a one to three minute scene where everyone gives a monologue and then they flash forward and every problem is resolved. Truly. And so it's like, dad toxic. And he's like, I'm sorry. I just really wanted to make you guys proud. And it's like, let's all hug it out. It's Christmas. And you're like, the dad, what? the dad is- like fully loses his career too. And like, they like, yeah. Fast forward a year later and they're still like living the lap of luxury and you're just like, um, what? Well, like, spoiler alert, but like the worst moment in this film is Alison Brie, who is one of my favorite actresses. Also kills it. Is having a fight. Is having a fight with Mackenzie Davis, who is playing her sister. Um, and she's in front of everybody in the worst scene of the film. And Alison Brie screams at, a, screams at them in front of the the family and the entire assembled group, you're a lesbian. Which is a terrible thing to do. To do yeah, to let's not normalize, like, just outing people, like, well, ever. So that, that's one. The Mackenzie Davis screams back, I'm not a lesbian, in front of Kristen Stewart. And then Dan Levy goes up to Kristen Stewart and he goes, listen, coming out, coming out to your parents is scary and everyone does it in their own time, so you have to forgive her. And then Alison Brady's like, I'm sorry, I, I outed you. Mackenzie Davis is like, thanks, I'm sorry I was a bitch to you. And I was like, no, 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 no. There's like nothing out to your family, but if you, if I'm dating you, and you haven't, not only have you not told your family about me, but you haven't told me that you to- haven't told my your family about me, and then invite me for Christmas without letting me know pretty crucial pieces of fucking information, and then when your sister screams, you're a lesbian, you shout back, no, I'm not, we're going to have some fucking conversations. In fact, I will not ask you to marry me. Yeah, then they end up engaged. Yeah. Also, PSA, don't out anybody. That's not your responsibility. Don't out anyone. No, not your fucking business. business. Not your business. Well, and, that's, and that's the problem is that it feels, it's often, I mean, it is written and made by queer people, but it feels, and listen, I don't know Claire Duval, who is the writer-director. I don't know her story at all. But the thing is, is that if you, to seriously engage with this, if your sister shouted in front of the, the huge fa- annual family Christmas Eve party that you're a lesbian, that would be something that a single apology monologue would not no. be able to fix. Yeah. Um, not that you would like, but like there would be some very serious discussions. And again, I don't need Happy Season to become Anna Karenina. But I think the issue is is that it wants to play with all of these very serious things and it wants to once a fucking again tell the coming out story, which is the only story queer people can ever fucking have in media. But it wants to tell that story without having any serious fucking engagement with the emotional reality right. of it. And so it just feels really yeah. fucking responsible. Yeah. Uh, however, though, credit credit where credit is due <laughs> to this film. If this film was just a two hours of Kristen Stewart and Dan Levy being best friends, I would have watched that movie every day of my life. We needed more Dan Levy. Dan I Levy mean, was not in the movie enough, in my no. opinion. We, we, need more, we need more Dan Levy. I would say, if this movie, literally, if this movie ended with 
Mackenzie Davis coming out and then Kristen Stewart being like, listen, I'm so proud of you for doing that, but you really hurt me. And I think I'm clicking more with Aubrey Plaza. So I think actually we have to be done. I still will love you. You were an important time in my life, but I'm going to go fuck <laughs> Aubrey Plaza. Best movie of the year. Right. <laughs> but like, the issue is that it like takes us, it takes us to the finish line and then betrays everything yeah. they've taught, they've taught us. So it just yeah. feels yeah. empty. They didn't, but, they didn't make Mackenzie Davis's Mackenzie Davis's character like redeemable at all. She at has all. zero redeem, redeeming qualities. So you're like, she keeps fucking up. She keeps like being just the worst partner on the face of the planet. And like, then they still end up together. It's just like, yeah. Even like, I don't understand how straight people can like not see that there was an issue there and like that that was toxic. Like, yeah. no, no, no. I think I think. Like, there's a thing, you know, there's certainly, like, your partner can, can can fuck up and, you know, you have second chances. But Mackenzie Davis gets 18 chances in this film and yeah. continues to just be a monster to, to Kristen Stewart. Yeah. And when Kristen Stewart tries to bring it up with them, Mackenzie Davis is like, chill out, bro. It's not a big deal. Who cares? Like, that's not, that's not okay. I'm sorry. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're giving your partner emotional trauma. You, you need to apologize. Um, but, but, but uh, Ezra had a theory... Uh, while we were in the car, that any movie would be better with Dan Levy and Kristen Stewart as best friends, and I, I agree, disagree. I gotta tell you, they're really uh, fun. They're really fun. I want to, I want to amend that theory that if you put Aubrey Plaza and Kristen Stewart as lesbian love interests, also That's every movie gets better. Um, if if they come to the minds of Moria and like right before the Balrog, there's just Aubrey Plaza <laughs> and Kristen Stewart flirting with each other. Are you telling me it's not a better movie? Oh, and I will say, I will say every, every queer person and every lesbian will now have a, a poster on their wall of Kristen Stewart <laughs> in the suit with like the untied tie and the mm. white shirt mm. looking like the sexiest lesbian that has ever existed in the world. Just standing next to Aubrey Plaza in a purple yeah, like, velvet suit. That is going to be on every child's wall. They're going to be like, oh, you liked Happy Season? No, 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 no. That's just there for Kristen Stewart. <laughs> no, I just like Kristen Stewart. No, I just like Kristen Stewart. I also saw something that like went viral on Twitter that was like, you're telling me like Kristen Stewart, Stewart showed up to this family event dressed like this and no one thought she was queer or no yeah. one thought she was gay. Like, what are we like? What are we doing? Like. Yeah. It's the Dan Levy line, where the Dan Levy line in the movie, where he's like, "Have they ever met a lesbian before?" Yeah. (laughs) So the interest. Speaking of the internet and Happy Season, I have seen there's a conspiracy theory floating around, where on the IMDb originally, Claire Duvall, who wrote and directed this film, who's also an actress, was listed as playing a character called Georgia, and in the original um, plot synopsis. Um, Georgia was listed as a character who was Kristen Stewart's character's ex who complicates matters further. So people believe there was a subplot that potentially redeemed Mackenzie Davis's character that was Why? cut. Huh. No one knows. Interesting. Because it is peculiar that her character is never, never redeemed. <laughs> like, even a little bit. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Alright. Alright. Well, anyway. Go watch my thanks for Vinny. listening. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our My Con- Cousin Vinny slash Happiest Season episode. <laughs> if you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and follow us on Instagram at htbn.podcast. We are covering About a Boy next week, so be on the lookout for that. And we will talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.
Bye. Bye.